Thanks for joining us today for our Monday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today we will be continuing our study in Genesis. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. Well, good morning. Welcome to Calvary Castle Rock. And uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We are going to be in the book of Genesis. I believe we get to finish that here this morning. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, right there. That's, that's kind of a, an amazing thing. So um, how many here were with us when we began Genesis? Wow. And now you're what, five years older? I think. I don't know. <clears throat> Well, um, go to uh, Genesis 49. We have been going through Jacob, and before he dies, he is prophesying over his 12 sons, and we got through 11 of them, and and the one son we weren't able to get to last week was uh, Joseph. And so we jumped ahead and did Benjamin, because that was a a little bit smaller area of the prophecy than over Jonah. So we're going to start with Jonah, (laughs) Joseph. Here the uh, uh, this morning, and then uh, then we're going to jump down to verse twenty eight, finish out forty nine, and 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 do fifty. Unless the Lord comes, we're going to finish Genesis here today. Yeah, Lord willing. So let's start here in verse twenty two. Jacob is about to die, and so he is uh, prophesying over his sons, and this is the prophecy that he gives over Joseph. It says Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. Now, fruitful kind of alludes to his uh, son Ephraim, okay? Ephraim in the Hebrew is Ephraim, and it means double fruit, or I shall be doubly fruitful. In Genesis 41, when Ephraim is first born, Joseph says this in naming his child Ephraim. He says, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of of my affliction, even though he's in Egypt, he, see God, he sees God's hand upon him and the fruitfulness of his life. Even though he calls it the land of his affliction, he is going to be and he was being fruitful in it. Thus, Joseph is a fruitful bough, speaks of the tribe of Ephraim. A fruitful bough by a well, meaning he has his own water supply. He will have plenty of water. His branches run over a wall. So Ephraim is going to be fruitful, be blessed beyond his borders, so much so that when the kingdom itself, the kingdom of Israel splits between the north and the south, the northern kingdom of Israel is going to be known as Ephraim, while the southern kingdom is going to be known as Judah. Um, Verse 23 says, the archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. In Scripture, the shooting of arrows is usually a picture of telling lies or deceit or speaking poorly of someone. We see this in Psalm 64, verse 3. Who sharpens their tongue like a sword and bend their bows bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words. Proverbs 25, 18. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, a sharp arrow. Jeremiah 9.8, their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. And so we look at Jacob's or Joseph's life, and we're able to see that Joseph's brothers lied to their father 
uh, to Jacob about the death of Joseph. We see Potiphar's wife lying and falsely accusing Joseph when he gets sent to prison. And so yet when he has his firstborn son, Joseph, he names him Manasseh. Manasseh is Menashe, which means causing to forget. Why have you named your kid Manasseh? Why would you name your child after the people group that has done so much harm to you? And by saying this, he's saying, because I've let that go. God has made me forget. Joseph trusted God, which is, which is shown here that he's trusting him. He's seen he's being fruitful, fruitful. He is causing him to forget because he sees God in his life and doing what he's supposed to do. And so he basically names him, forget about it. That's what he kind of names him. And then it shows this blessing in verse 24. It says, but his bow remained in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Though Joseph was shot at, hated, lied about, deceived, still a fruitful bow. This was because the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of God. The mighty God of Jacob. The word mighty here in the Hebrew, avir. It means strong, mighty, used five other times in the Old Testament. Always used in describing God. He is mighty. We are not. He is mighty. The idea is that God's strong hands were on Joseph's hands, giving him strength, skill to work the bow expertly. God was there even when Joseph didn't know it. In spite of all the opposition that came against Joseph, God's strength was with him every step of the way and caused all those attacks on Joseph to fail. To fail. This is the mighty God. The one from, there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. That speaks of the Messiah. The Messiah, the shepherd, the stone of Israel comes from who? Mighty God, mighty God. We know that in John 10, 11, Jesus calls himself what? The good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. So we know that this is speaking of the Messiah. The stone of Israel also speaks of the Messiah. We read in Psalm 118, 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus speaks about this of being himself. In Matthew 21, 42, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, given to the nation bearing the fruits of it. That's the church. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. That's speaking of Jesus. In Isaiah 28, 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, that's Jerusalem, a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Well, Peter puts this together, Isaiah 28, 16, as well as Psalm 118, showing that this speaks of Christ. In 1 Peter 2, verse 4, it says, coming to him, meaning Jesus, 
as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, and he goes on to quote Isaiah 28, 16, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Speaking of who? The chief cornerstone. Who is who? Jesus. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. That speaks of Jesus. The stone of Israel speaks of the Messiah, which speaks of Jesus. Continuing on, it says, and by the Almighty who will bless you. Jacob tells Joseph his blessing will come from the same God of your father, and he is the same God who is most powerful, almighty, different than mighty. This is now almighty. It is the Hebrew word Shaddai. Most powerful is what that means. Use 48 times always of God and no one else. Always of God goes on it says with blessings of heaven from above and blessings of the deep that lies beneath this speaks of the dew above the rain the springs of water from below blessing of the breasts and of the womb speaks of health and many descendants thus the tribe of joseph will become the largest tribe because it develops into two tribes of ephraim and so we have this map right here and as you can see here that you have Ephraim right here and you have Manasseh that goes all the way around here as well. Between these two tribes, that's like half of Israel. So they have been doubly blessed for sure. And it speaks of their health and their many descendants. And so Joseph actually becomes two tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. The double portion aspects of that inheritance of being the firstborn. And that is who Joseph is now. He gets the blessing of the firstborn. Verse 26 says, The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. In other words, the blessing that Jacob receives were greater than those received by Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac could only pass a patriarchal blessing to their one son. Whereas Jacob here gets to pass it on to 12 sons as well as his adopted sons of Ephraim and Manasseh. Up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, same reference is given when Moses is speaking uh, about Joseph. In Deuteronomy thirty-three fifteen. he says, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills. This is the meaning of excess, of abundant blessings, is what is spoken of here. This word blessing is used five times in the last two verses here, and all of this is to be transferred upon Joseph, upon the head of Joseph as like a crown. There shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who separate from his brothers. To Joseph went the birthright, and of all of Jacob's possessions were willed to Joseph, him who was separate from his brothers, The word separate is a very interesting Hebrew word. It is nazir, and it means consecrated. 
okay, or separated or apart, devoted one or prince. This should read him who is consecrated or set apart from his brothers. Or it could read him who is prince among his brothers. He will rise up as a prince above his brothers, be separate, consecrated, set apart from his brothers. The prophecy of Joseph was one of blessing, fruitfulness, richness, overabundance, which will make him a prince above his brothers. In this prophecy of blessing to Joseph, we have five different titles for God. He is mighty. He is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, your father's God, and almighty. And almighty. Going down now to verse 28, because we did Benjamin last week. It says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. Now understand, this is the only piece of land that the nation of Israel owns at this point. The nation being small at this point, okay? But this is all they own. Even though God's given them the land, they are not to take ownership of the land until later on. But they did buy this parcel here because... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and soon-to-be Joseph, when they die, they want to be in the place that God has given their nation and that their descendants are going to dwell. And so Jacob is making sure, I also go back there, don't bury me here in Egypt. Don't bury me here. This is not my place. My place is in the promised land of Canaan. Verse 31 There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, where they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there, Jacob says, I buried Leah. Interesting. The field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth. So Jacob gives his preparations for his death. He had already done this with Joseph in private. Now he tells all his sons, what he told Joseph in private. So now, because of that, there could be no mistake of what it is that he wanted. All the kids understood. He made preparations. He is a great example for all of us when it comes time for death. Preparations in advance need to be made. None of us know when we're going to die, okay? Now, it's interesting because Jacob did know. He knew. We're going to see he's going to, he's going to put his feet up and curl up in, under his blanket and then all of a sudden breathe his last breath. How awesome to know that. To just go to sleep and wake up in the presence of God. I mean, how awesome is that? But for most of us, we don't know when we're going to die. But we do know what we can do in the way of preparations to make sure that our family knows exactly what it is that they're supposed to do when we die. And have you made preparations with blessings in the way of your assets? 
and things like that. So it's not a free-for-all once you die and it goes to probate. And nobody knows what to do because you didn't have a will. Every single one of us should have a will, okay? Which says what should happen when you die. That everything goes to your spouse. Or if you and your spouse die, all of these things go to our children, okay? And how is it divided up? It's a good question. Last November, we went to Israel. Before we went, we looked at our will and we go, yeah, this is like 10 years old. Kids are older, they're married. Okay, so things are different now. Our situation is different now with our assets and stuff like that. So we got our will done again. And then we told our kids that we are getting our will done and uh, over again and what we want to happen if there was something to happen to Mindy and I. And it freaked them out. You you think you're going to die? You think the Lord's going to take you? I don't know. I said, we're just trying to get our ducks in a row and everything else. We talked about all our assets, things that are there, that if we do die, you guys are very rich because we have life insurance, you know. And then our house and other properties that we own and things like that. It's kind of like, you know, and, and, but we want you to know what our desire is. And so if something was to happen, you all know, okay? One of our kids is the executor. And guess what? They understand what, is going to happen. And now all of you understand as well. Okay. But it's very important. If you're young and you have a family, you should have life insurance. Do you understand that anybody that works here at this church, the first thing I ask, do you have life insurance? You have a wife, you have kids. We're about to take you on here. Do you have life insurance? Yes, I do. I want to know how much. Okay. Because if something was to happen to anybody here on staff, Shame on you if you think, well, you know, the church will take care of my family. It's like, we will, just so you know, we will do that. But I'm going to be angry with you all the way until at least the first 24 hours in eternity. (laughs) Because when I get up there, I am going to speak to you and tell you how you were unfaithful in leaving this to us to do. Because it's not fair. It's not fair. And so, again... Uh, you know, everybody who's on staff have it. Now, there, there might be some people say, hey, you know what? I had it for a while, and then it got too expensive, and now I'm much older, and we have enough assets, so we don't need to have life insurance. Okay, that, that's between you and your estate planner and everything else. But everyone should have a will. It is horrific when a person dies and leaves behind a spouse and three, four, five kids. And yet, it warms my heart when they tell me, when, when, as we walk with them, and we have to ask the question, did he or she leave behind life insurance? Yes. And when I find out the amount, I'm going, this is awesome, because this will take care of you and your family. And on top of the horror of your spouse leaving prematurely and everything else and thinking that they're going to be around for another 30 years but isn't, what's worse on that, compounded financial issues. Not knowing if you can afford the mortgage. Not knowing how you're going to pay for college now for the kids. Not knowing how. That's horrible. That's horrible. I had a, a young person that is about to get married. Um, and then I had another person who is married with a uh, young son. And so uh, he showed me uh, last night. He goes like this. I go, what is that? It says, get life insurance. <laughs> it was just to remind him. 
I said, absolutely, you're young. You can get it very, very cheap. You want to make preparations. You want to take care of your family. How awesome that your house is in order if something was to happen to you. That shows your faithfulness. Jacob is faithful. Jacob is faithful. And so, again, it speaks of us. In 1 Timothy 5.8, look what it says there. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. Take care of your family. Make preparations. Contact whoever you need to contact this week. But make it happen. Make it happen. Again, I'm not... You know, saying, and by the way, call this number and I get some sort of, you know, uh, fee for telling you to go and do this. No, not at all. I, I, I have nothing to do with that. I am here to say, take care of your family. So, verse 33. When Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. How awesome is that? Okay, I'm done now. A little, a little cold. I just want to kind of lie down. Okay? Going to lie down now. <sighs> he was gone. Wow. He drew his feet up into the bed. It kind of gives us an understanding that everybody gathered around his bed. And he was just kind of like his feet over. He was sitting on his bed, laying out the blessings. And when he was done... He just kind of sat back up, put his feet, lied down, and it says, and breathed his last. And then it says, was gathered to his people. He wasn't buried. This speaks of the afterlife. He breathed his last, now gathered to his people that have died in faith before him, speaks of the afterlife. Okay, where did he go? Well, you and I both know I like talking about this a lot whenever we get a chance. He went to where? Sheol. Sheol. That's right. Also known as Hades. Also known as the grave. Also known as the place of the dead. But Hades, inside the earth somewhere, okay, has a great gulf, according to Luke 16. All right? So the people on this side can't go to that side. People on this side can't go to that side. And so the place of the dead is the place of the righteous dead, Abraham's bosom, also known as paradise. And it's also the place of the unrighteous dead, also known as hell, the abuso, Gehenna, the pit, Tartarus. This is where the unrighteous dead are waiting judgment, okay? This is where everybody went before Jesus came and lived upon this earth. But then, guess what? The saints, Jesus had to be the first fruits, Okay, he is the first fruits of those who have risen from the dead. He had to be first fruits. So when Jesus died, it says that he went to where? Well, he told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me where? Paradise. So Jesus, when he died, went to Sheol. Okay, first Peter 3.19 said he spoke to the captives there. He preached to them. This is who um, uh, the, your forefathers was talking about. Me, me, me. And guess what? Ephesians 4.8, he took captivity captive. Okay, these are the captives right here in here. And where did he take them? Up in heaven, him being the first fruits. So now this place is empty, which is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 
absent from the body, present with the Lord. This is empty. This down here keeps getting bigger. All right, keeps getting bigger. So, that is where Jacob went. And that's where Abraham would have been, as well as Isaac and all the other ones that were in faith in God before Jesus came and died and took them up into heaven. That's all we have time for today on this Monday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in Genesis. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. And on Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday evening at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.